tail I just here we go. going. Welcome to the 362nd Harvard commencement. Here we are, high above the Tercentenary Theater, watching the filling of this great theater with the graduates of this, uh, of this, uh, of this year. I'm Diana Eck, I've been here before, and also with my colleague Dan Schrag. Dan, it's good to be with you here again. Diana, it's great Wonderful. to be here this morning. And welcome to all of you. You have a close-up seat if you're wa watching this on Comcast or uh, from one of the webcasts uh, that are available through Harvard University or on the public access television. And so grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and uh, join us for the next two or two and a half hours while this great academic festival unfolds. You know, Diana, sitting up here above the stage, we have a great view of all of the pageantry of watching people in. Just the flow of colors of the different robes is so spectacular. But, we, but yeah. it's really inspiring, you know, not just for the colors and the pageantry and the, and the ceremony, but also just, just as we watch these graduates come in, just the sense of potential, the sense of future that they all have. It's very exciting. And we're seeing them now um, in their processions from various schools. Uh, we have watched the School of Law come in, the Kennedy School of Government, the graduate schools who assemble here. And we watched the PhD procession come in and sit right in front in their great red robes. And eventually, we will see the undergraduates, the AB students. That's right. And they're all coming in in their black robes. And uh, there's, there's nobody more enthusiastic in this ceremony than the undergraduates. And we'll see them here. They are forming a processional path in front of the John Harvard statue in University Hall. And the faculty procession, which we'll see in a moment, will go through the open ranks of the Harvard College seniors. And you know, Diana, that's one of the great joys, actually, of participating in this ceremony as a faculty member, oh. is walking through the undergraduates and having them greet you and you collect, celebrate them and congratulate them. Yeah. That, that feeling of walking through the ranks of the undergraduates as you process into the Tercentenary Theater, just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And it's experience. wonderful for them to see their professors uh, walk on by, but professors now not in their, uh, what, in their school clothes, so to speak, but in their academic regalia. So this is a day when all of this comes together, the students who are eager to see you and uh, the professors who will have a glimpse of their own students uh, for the last time, or maybe not for the last time. That's exactly right. And the other thing that's interesting about Harvard's commencement is that we actually include reunion classes as well. So you, know, you see here some of the uh, vice presidents, there's all the teams, there's the industry design. Graduate, Hammond College, Dean of Medical School, Jeff Fryer, uh, Jay Harris, Jay the Dean of Undergraduate Education, Sherry Murray, the Dean of Engineering, Applied Sciences, Martha Minow, the Dean of Law School. Uh, they're beginning to, to start the procession, so this is all underway right now. But what's wonderful is the reunion classes participate as well. And that's what's wonderful is we have both a sense of past and future here. We see these, these students heading off into the world, ready to do great things. And at the same time, we see our 25th and 50th reunion classes coming back with all of the interesting things that they've done. Sometimes it's hard for the uh, undergraduates to imagine that they themselves will be back 
25 years hence. Uh, and yet, even beginning five years from now, they will come back. That's right. Uh, in great numbers. You know, and it's wonderful. Some of them actually even stay a long time. My, it's my wife, Diane Brockmeyer's 25th reunion at Harvard this, this year, so we're celebrating this weekend. In her class, Diane Paulus, our colleague who uh, is the artistic director at the ART, the American Repertory Theater, just nominated for 10 Tony Awards for their production of Pippin on Broadway. Um, Diane is back for her 25th reunion, and of course she teaches here at Harvard as well. There are many other people, of course, in the 50th reunion class. There are many friends of yours, Diane. Well, we went and met some of the 50th reuners yesterday. There was uh, Dr. Andrew Weil, who has become something of a phenomenon in holistic health in the United States, and Ellen Goodman, who was a longtime columnist for the New York Times, and Gurcharan Das, who is from India, one of the early uh, undergraduates from India, and a writer and uh, and novelist and playwright now. Sure, and yesterday, of course, class day, Soledad O'Brien, who's in the 25th reunion class, gave a talk to the undergraduates. And here you see some of the some of the faculty members coming in their various regalia um, from schools all over the world, really. That's right, and their colors represent their institutions where they receive their their doctorate degrees. There was a wonderful remark at the 350th, or 300th, I guess, uh, uh, tercentenary of Harvard, describing the faculty like a flock of iridescent birds. And here's Drew Faust at the head of the president's procession. Look how, look how radiant she looks. You know, I want to just call attention to, to some words that she said yesterday as part of her baccalaureate address, you know when she speaks to the undergraduates. Um, I think many people miss that, and, and it was really a spectacular speech. Um, she used imagery that I think is so compelling. She talked about running towards life, and what she, what she was really talking about was something that happened just a little bit over a month ago, the horrible uh, bombings during the Boston Marathon, at the end of the Boston Marathon. And she described a handful of individuals who, instead of running away from the explosions and away from the danger, ran toward it. They ran toward it to help people. It was their instinct to run towards the danger and embrace it and see what they could do to help the situation. And she used that imagery so in such a compelling way to talk about what these students were going to find out in the world. And she encouraged them to run towards life, run towards opportunity, run towards adventure, experimentation, uh, run towards danger, run towards uh, opportunities to try and change the world. And I think that was such a very in this case also for service. That's I mean, right. this this is what it was. They were doctors and others running toward uh, toward the bombs, basically. And so I run toward the challenges. Exactly, run towards the challenges and try to embrace them. That's that's a wonderful imagery for this commencement and yeah. for thinking about all of the things that these graduates are going to go out and do in the world. And mentioning baccalaureate and looking out over the graduating classes, the other thing that's wonderful about it is it, it really is a multi-religious service. There are readings from the Analects of Confucius and from the Quran. Here There's, you see, there you see a, Nan Cohen, Nan who's Cohen, the, uh, uh, on the corporation. Uh, one of the first uh, women members of the corporation, and now the head of the honorary degrees committee also. That's right. Former president. Her, her of husband, Duke. Bob Cohen, was, of course, chair of our, of our government department many years ago. Yes. And there are the PhDs uh, gathering and waving in their seats. That's right. We see members of the corporation coming onto the stage. 
very soon we'll see the senior administration coming as well. The you know, there are a few special uh, undergraduates graduating today who are, who are uh, children of uh, faculty in the university. Alan Garber, our new provost, who of course got his undergraduate and PhD here from here at Harvard, spent many years at Stanford and then just returned to Harvard as its new provost. Um, his son Daniel is graduating summa cum laude with uh, uh, degrees, concentration in, vi in uh, uh, visual and environmental studies and a, a secondary field in economics. Um, congratulations to Daniel Garber. See here we see all the faculty coming in. There's faculty from the Divinity School um, and various other faculty. And you see the undergraduates applauding them as they come through. The um, president's procession includes their, uh, we'll see our honorary degree recipient, Oprah. You can see her down in the corner with her escort, uh, That's right. Skip Gates. The other, uh, the other honorary degree recipients are coming through. People will recognize some of them. One that might be very recognizable to, to residents of this city, of course, is the uh, Honorable uh, Tom Menino, the mayor of Boston. Uh, he'll be receiving an honorary degree today. Both of us were at the honorary degrees dinner last night where they were all announced and applauded. It was a, it was a wonderful occasion. And of course, the names of the honorands are in today's Harvard Gazette that is passed out as people have entered into the Tercentenary Theater today. That's right. You so see they're the no longer PhD really a secret. But no, that's right. <laughs> We'll hear a lot more about them when uh, President Faust actually announces their names to the, to the audience. The uh, President's procession includes the, the corporation, which now has expanded from what was formerly seven to now 13 members. So the Harvard Corporation is becoming bigger and broader, as Nan Cohane said last night, big enough to even have subcommittees. And then the members of the Reverend and Honorable Board of Overseers, uh, all of these in their top hats and other hats today, uh, the, the Board of Overseers being elected by Harvard alumni. Dignitaries will include a lot of people. It could include the Phi Beta Kappa orator. I'm not sure if she is here today. That was Linda Greenhouse, a uh, long time and really uh, much applauded uh, uh, columnist for the New York Times. There's Martha Minow, the dean of the School of Law. Yeah, you see, I just saw Rick McCulloch. He's our new vice provost for research coming on the stage. There's Mike Smith, uh, the dean of arts, faculty of arts and sciences, um, uh, coming onto the stage. Uh, Bob Giuliano, the, the uh, general counsel at the university. It's really a wonderful collection of, of all of the administration and all of the... And on the right-hand corner, we see Evelyn Hammonds, the dean of Harvard College, very distinguished dean for the past five years, yes. who has recently announced her retirement from that and a return to teaching and research. Well, she is a very distinguished historian of science. Yes. Rabbi Jonas Steinberg from Harvard Hillel. And in front of him is Stephanie Paulsell from Harvard Divinity School, who will actually be offering one of the prayers. There you see Oprah Winfrey Oprah. reading some of the uh, community as she files That's into wonderful. the theater. 
she is perhaps the most universally recognizable to the audience gathered here today. Each of the honorands, each of the recipients of the honorary degrees is with a faculty escort, someone close to them in their field of study. You see there a picture on the left, uh, just past, the camera just past Sir Partha Dasgupta. That was Partha Dasgupta. Partha ah. Dasgupta. Sir Partha is a uh, distinguished economist at uh, Cambridge University in England. Uh, Partha Dasgupta really was one of the great environmental economists. Um, in the world and also very interested in uh, extreme poverty and how to deal with it. He'll also be receiving an honorary degree today. There's the statue of John Harvard. That part of the yard is thinning out as people fill in onto this side of the yard. There's a lot of photo ops have it, uh, taking place here with uh, There's some Skip of the Gates honor with, uh, honor with Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. see the excitement on the faces of all the undergraduates and all of the graduating uh, doctoral students there. There's that famous toe of John Harvard that really over recent decades has become the uh, object of touch and uh, good luck or something like that. And now we see the faculty coming in. You can see the faculty strolling through the ranks of the undergraduates. Um, it's really an exhilarating feeling, looking at all those smiling faces as you walk through. As, as an initiatory rite, of course, these uh, undergraduates uh, are appropriately forming the, the aisle for their professors, and they will be receiving their initiation, you might say, into the company of educated women and men today. Their degrees, by the way, are, are awarded by a speech act of the president. And after the meeting is called to order, there really is not very much of a spontaneous, impromptu or extemporaneous word spoken. The awarding of the degrees in the various graduate schools, but also to the uh, undergraduates, is done by the word of the president herself, by the authority vested in me I declare that you are. And then they will receive their diplomas in their various schools or their undergraduate houses this afternoon. The diploma is kind of extra, really. You used to have to buy a diploma here, but the diploma is sort of the certification of what has already been awarded. They become graduates at the moment the president says so. Here you see the medical school. Each of these graduate schools has its own sort of insignia, that seems to be uh, a stethoscope that they're wearing. That's exactly right. We saw the law school processing in earlier today with uh, gavels, again appropriate. But this is a great day of procession, and actually any ritual involves these rites of transition that it's nothing more expressive of a rite of transition than a procession. And from all the houses and all the schools, there were processions led by bagpipes and bands to the Tercentenary Theater this morning. And there will be processions back afterwards. Yes, there's uh, in the center, Lord Robert May, 
very famous uh, theoretical biologist from Oxford University. He's speaking, actually, on the right with uh, Elaine Pagels, another of the recipients of an honorary degree. Very distinguished scholar of uh, the early years of Christianity, especially the Gnostics. And her book, The Gnostic Gospels, won the National Book Award uh, in the 80s, I think 1984. Now, if you're wondering what all those people are doing with these tall top hats you see on the screen, these are part of the marshals of the, uh, of the whole commencement. These are alumni who participate year after year in these wonderful costumes, um, helping to organize and seat everyone and uh, just take part in all of the pageantry. And it, it, it takes an enormous amount of organization to get 32,000 people into the Tercentenary Theater in an orderly fashion for this to begin. Uh, it should begin in about uh, half an hour at uh, 9.45, and the uh, sort of chief of the organizing committee is Grace Scheibner, who operates out of Wadsworth House for an entire year to put this in order for the following year. And you know, I think uh, the faculty are often aren't aware of just how much work goes into it, not just by Grace, and Grace, of course, is a superhero, but, but in addition, all of the staff and all of the various people who work together to make this happen. This is a really extraordinary event. Here we see more of the faculty coming in. Yes. People often ask, well, who's speaking at Harvard commencement? And those of you who are watching for the first time this morning uh, will perhaps be surprised to learn that nobody gives a major speech this morning. There are three speeches that will be given by students, and they have been competing over the last two months to be awarded the honor of speaking to this great assembled crowd today. There will be a Latin orator, then there will who comes from the undergraduate body. There will be a, an English disquisition or speech by an undergraduate, and then a graduate oration. Those three, each of them rather brief, no more than five minutes, uh, constitute the, the core of speech giving this morning. It's really this afternoon at the Alumni Association meeting that President Faust will give a speech, and that's always important to listen to. Uh, that also will be broadcast and webcast. But uh, also, this will be the opportunity for Oprah Winfrey to speak, and everyone is rather wondering what she will say on this occasion. There we see more undergraduates. A minute ago, Waving we saw the, uh, the Harvard Kennedy School with their inflated globes, a reminder of how international a university this is. Really amazing uh, reach. Uh, world leaders come here to take courses. Harvard has trained so many world leaders in different capacities over the years. Now, Dan, your robe is blue, but it's not Yale. It's not your... So I was actually an undergraduate at Yale. This was my 25th yeah. reunion just a week ago. But actually, the robe is for the University of California at Berkeley. And it's almost the same color Almost the same Why color. Why is that? Actually, because the University of California back in the late 19th century was founded by a bunch of graduates at Yale. And so the colors of Berkeley are Yale blue and gold. Um, so it looks a little bit like Yale, but it's different. Instead of blue and white, it's blue and gold. 
that's really one of the great things. You see all of the different colors. Um, colors representing the institutions, and then of course, the colors of the hoods in the back represent the degree, the type of degree, and you see that in the different, uh, the different gowns of the different well, we see a, a few Yaleys here on the faculty and others who may be from Berkeley and other places. Uh, if it is an orange robe, that tends to be from Princeton. A light blue is from Columbia, I think. That's right. And then there's all sorts of other wonderful uh, examples. Our Dean of Arts and Sciences, Mike Smith, of course, has a Stanford degree. So he has the Cardinal, the red. And, uh, uh, is that what he read? Doesn't right. he Chris, wear a Harvard degree? I was talking to Chris Stubbs, professor yeah. of physics this morning, who has a purple robe from the University of Washington. Yeah. Um, wonderful, other wonderful colors. You know, this is actually a fairly recent uh, uh, standardization of, of what all these colors mean. Really, it's only a late 19th century standardization, but the, the, the robes and the regalia in general go back really to Cambridge and Oxford and before that to great early universities in Europe and the academic regalia. There you see Chris Stubbs in his purple oh, robe from the University yes. of Washington. That's beautiful. Bill Kirby, the former Dean of Arts and Sciences there in the front. There's a multi-multi-colored hat that looks almost like a layer cake. I'd love to see that again. Yeah, some of the hats are really quite spectacular. Not just the flat uh, yeah. square ones, but really very interesting hats at some universities. I just saw a glimpse of Jay Jasanoff from our linguistics is, yeah. department. It's his 50th reunion. Congratulations to Jay. His, of course, his daughter Mara uh, teaches on the faculty here in history, a professor of history. And uh, his wife Sheila Jasanoff teaches at the Kennedy School and in uh, the program on uh, the, the concentration in, in environmental science and public policy. Really a, a, a intellectual leader in the role of science, technology, and society. There we see Mayor Tom Menino from Boston, here to get an honorary degree. Look at him in his robe. Wonderful to see him. I almost didn't recognize him in his robe, Dan. I think he's, uh, he's really a, a, a man of the people. He, you know, they, an amazing statistic where, where the Boston Globe did a survey and 57% of the people of Boston claim to have met him personally over the last that 20 years. That is absolutely amazing. It's really amazing to think of a politician, about, yes. of, a, of a mayor of a city the size of Boston, to have personally met. But they, but they, they say he's, he's energy is, is just boundless. He yeah. goes out to events and dinners and lunches all the day, all the time, every day, and just greets people and talks to them. Really has a feel for what's going on in the city of Boston. I have a wonderful uh, footage of Tom Menino that I took myself when he came to dedicate uh, or participate in the dedication of the great Boston Mosque down on Roxbury Crossing, a great big brick Islamic center that looks as if it were born in Boston, which it was. Uh, here we see all the undergraduates here beginning to coming. file in. So the faculty are here, and now the undergraduates are filing in, and we're beginning to get closer to the actual ceremony. In a few minutes, we may actually get a chance to talk to a couple of our undergraduates, a couple of our students. So um, the oldest graduate of any sort is actually an undergraduate who is um, receiving his A.B. today at the age of 94. His name is Tom Hall, and he was in Lowell House at the time of World War II. And 
did not complete his degree. In fact, in World War II and in the Korean War, he was a conscientious objector and spent time in the federal prison. Then he joined Harvard Medical School and got a medical degree and became a doctor. And only a few years ago, three years ago, decided to return and finish that unfinished business of uh, a Harvard AB. So he will be here. He's in a wheelchair, although he is, he's very ambulatory, but just not for the uh, intense It's going to be a very hot day, so it's understandable right. that he can uh, sit yeah. in a wheelchair. Yeah. You know, it's wonderful that he's finishing this degree. That's just spectacular. Here we see more undergraduates filing in. see a view of the faculty where they're seating on the side of the stage. You can see them in all of their different colored robes. Of course, when we look out at the sea of students, we see mostly uh, the pink color that is, I guess, uh, in academic gowns, supposed to substitute for crimson. The commencement actually becomes a moment at which there are many other honors bestowed in addition to the honorary degrees. Yesterday, for example, the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences gave its centennial medal to four very distinguished GSAS graduates, uh, to Louise Richardson, who was here on the faculty and then went to become the president of St. Andrews University in Scotland. Yeah, I got to see Louise yesterday, and, and her daughter, her second, her, her oldest daughter graduated last year from Harvard, and her, her youngest daughter is actually graduating uh, this year. She's, uh, she's, uh, graduating, she's a member of the class of 2013. Congratulations to her. It's Among the others who got the uh, GSAS medal was uh, Emeritus Professor Everett Mendelssohn from our faculty here in the History of Science. And Arnold Romprasad, who I believe is maybe at Berkeley, he is uh, in uh, literature. And Sherry Turkle, who is sort of sometimes called the anthropologist of uh, cyberspace. And so those four were GSAS graduates returned. There is Mayor Menino. How wonderful to see him here today. He looks good in those robes. Maybe yes, he, he uh, has another, another career ahead of him. We also are supposed to have the mayor of Cambridge here. And uh, I hope she appears as well. And of course, in a little while, once everybody's filed in, this whole proceeding cannot begin until the sheriff of Middlesex County calls the meeting to order, and that's a fun part of the ceremony. It cannot begin and cannot end until the sheriff of Middlesex County gets up and, and taps his staff and, and calls the meeting to order. And at the conclusion, uh, concludes the meeting. That's and right. the interesting thing about what is this meeting? Well, in this case, it's commencement. But um, there's a very interesting sort of tradition at Harvard that at the conclusion of the 300th anniversary in 1636, the meeting was adjourned to reconvene on the 18th of September in 2036. So the meeting itself is something that is a, a, a kind of movable feast of people. 
You know, the actual first commencement of Harvard wasn't until 1642, where there were actually nine graduates. This is a lot more. We see there Mike Smith in the middle of the camera, Jeremy Bloxham, who's the Dean of Science, uh, Alan Garber, our provost. Jackie O'Neill, Jackie O'Neill who is course, the, the sort of ritual officer of the university as the marshal. The marshal of the university, that's right. And there, some of the members of the corporation, uh, Robert Weishauer, senior member, speaking with Drew Faust. There's some very interesting things about the orators for today. The first that you will hear is the Latin oration by Fanea Yirga, who is from Ethiopia. She will deliver a speech in Latin, uh, the translation of which will be on your screen, in case you're not good at spoken Latin. Mine's just a little rusty. Uh, rusty. I she, took six years of Latin, but it's a little rusty. She went to a spoken language Latin summer course in Rome, uh, and she had never studied Latin before she came to Harvard. So this is an extraordinary, I'm sure, the first Ethiopian ever to uh, give the Latin oration. And the, the diversity of this class is, is it, just it, wonderful it, to Amazing. See. Uh, in our students at Lowell House, we have students from uh, from China, their parents are here, from uh, from Madagascar, the first ever graduate from Madagascar, from Pakistan. That's the thing that's quite amazing, is that you know, every graduate in this class, you know, whatever their, their concentration, whatever their background, they have some very special talents. And as you get to know them as individuals, you see that everyone is really um, special and has something to give back to the world. We see here again scanning the stage a little bit more, the various leaders of the university. There's Evelyn Hammond again getting a hug. Congratulations on her recent announcement of, that she's stepping down as dean of the college to return to her scholarship. We see uh, some of the other deans. We see uh, Julio Frank, the, uh, the dean of the School of Public Health, sitting there in the second row. Julio, uh, talking with Alan Garber, the provost. Julio Frank uh, was, the, of course, the health minister of Mexico for many years. Uh, spectacular leader and inspiring uh, dean of the School of Public Health. In the front row, you see the dean of the business school on the right, Martha Minow in the center, and then Jeff Flyer, uh, dean of the, the medical, medical school, school on the left. And in the blue is the new dean of Harvard Divinity School from Northern Ireland, David Hempton. Just there are several who simply only this year have assumed new roles in their deanship. And it's the last year for Kathy McCartney, who is the dean of the School of Education and is going to become the president of my alma mater, Smith College. Oh, that's wonderful, it's great for her. We also, of course, have uh, a new dean of the, of the um, extension school, which is, of course, something that doesn't happen very often. The last dean been there since the 1970s. Extraordinary long time of service. So here are the undergraduates filing in. We're getting close to the time. I, I think we're getting close to the time, but as I look out, even over the area where the graduate schools are to be seated, 
there's still a lot of empty chairs. So this procession is a bit slow to get started, uh, I think, but uh, I, I imagine we will start on time at about 9.45. And, and we're, we're about to welcome here one of our uh, undergraduate students who's going to talk to us a little bit about her experience here at commencement. You know, Diana, looking out, uh, here we are in, under the shade of a tent. And everyone else is in the hot sun. And it's getting hot, it's getting hot are, here, yes, but I yeah. look out at the steps of Widener Library where people are looking pretty toasty now, and I imagine in a couple of hours it'll get even worse. It's been such a remarkably cold spring. How ironic that on the day of commencement, it's gonna hit 90 degrees for the first time. We have with us this morning, uh, one of the graduating seniors, Noor Ibrahim, who is from Winthrop House and a literature concentrator. Noor, welcome. It's Thank great you. to have you here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's wonderful. Tell us a little bit about what this morning has been like for you. It's been really crazy. We've been stuck in a line for a really long time, incredibly hot, but it's been very exciting to be with all the seniors and sort of just standing in line and waiting to get inside. We got to sort of shake hands with Oprah on her way in, which was Oh, you super did? Exciting. That's great. Wonderful. My friend did. My friend did, yeah. And um, it's just been wonderful. It's been really, really hectic. We haven't had much time to sort of soak anything in, but it's been wonderful. Yeah. Tell us about your background and your parents and yeah, um, I'm from Lahore, Pakistan. Um, my parents came just a couple of days ago. They came all this way. My brother's uh, actually a freshman here at Harvard. So they've been standing there taking some pictures and getting really excited about this whole ceremony. My dad was an alum here, so he's, he's very excited as well. Um, and I have some family visiting from New York as well. So it's been great. And yeah. maybe some of your family in Pakistan can watch this on webcast? Yeah, they're actually, I've, give, I've sent them the link and they're, I think they're watching it right now. And uh, unfortunately, I haven't had time to like check my phone or see if they're like sending messages. Well, but greetings to them and congratulations as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, Noor, tell us a little bit about your um, participation in uh, baccalaureate yesterday. Yes, um, so my friend and I, we got to read the Quran. Um, my friend was reading in Arabic and I read the English translation. And it was a beautiful ceremony. We had an absolutely wonderful time. Uh, President Faust's speech was beautiful and very, very inspiring. Um, we were very excited to participate because we got to select some passages from the Quran that were we felt were very relevant to the Harvard experience and to the experience of really every student who comes in. We sort of chose a lot of passages about diversity, about education and being educated. And one really important verse was about reading. And it was the first revealed verse in the Quran for, to the Prophet Muhammad. And um, we thought it was particularly beautiful and relevant. So we decided to start with that. And then we talked about nations. Tell us more well. about that. Tell us a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, so the first, uh, the very first verse, it was called, uh, read in the name of your Lord, thy Lord, who created man, created man out of a clot of congealed blood. Um, that was revealed by the angel Gabriel to the prophet Muhammad, who said he could not read, so the angel ordered him to read. And um, it basically talks about, I think it, you know, as we're here at Harvard to be educated, it really talks about just the, the value of education and of learning and knowledge in any circumstance, in any religion, in any culture. So that was a really, really relevant um, passage that we chose. And the I very think. last yeah. one, tell yeah. about that, uh, the one about you've been created into tribes and nations. Yeah, the last one uh, goes like um, about how God has created tribes and nations and men and women so that they can know each other and not that they should despise each other. So um, I think that one is really relevant for a closing passage because it talks about diversity, it talks about 
um, the beauty of creation of all kinds of nations. And I think, obviously, at Harvard, since we see all nations represented, it really struck a chord with the students who were watching, who were listening and watching as well, and especially the parents outside who were very pleased by our choices of the passages. Really inspiring. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank Tell you. us just a little bit about your future. What will you be doing? Um, I'm hoping to go into journalism. I'm uh, looking at different options right now. I'm maybe in Washington, D.C. Um, eventually, I do want to go back to Pakistan and work there. But for now, I want to take advantage of the opportunities that the United States has given, given me. And um, hopefully, I'll be with Al Jazeera for six months. And um, afterwards, let's see where, wherever may, it may take me. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to see you on this occasion. Congratulations to your Thank parents. Thank you for having me. We yeah. look forward to having your brother Mir in Lowell House next year. Thank you so much. He's Great. excited too. Enjoy okay. the rest of the day and stay Thank cool. You. It's going to be very right. hot you today. Too. You congratulations. too. Congratulations. I think I just saw some of the Lowell House people process in. So Finally. I'm not sure all the viewers realize you are one of the co-masters of Lowell House. Yes. And this is a wonderful opportunity at Harvard for faculty, for the students to get oh, to know faculty absolutely. in a really intimate way where you really are responsible for a little more than 100 students per class. Is that right? About, yeah. And, and, and graduate students as well, because we have 25 resident tutors in each house who are from all these graduate schools. And this is really a great service you do for our community. I, don't, I, think, I think the faculty don't often express the appreciation for those of you who are willing to, to really spend a lot of your personal lives interacting with the undergraduates regularly. You have, what, three, four events a, a night, a uh, week? No, no, not, not a three night, but we do have a lot of events. And and, um, you, and you really eat with them regularly and, and live with them we in live a substantial with them. way. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think it's the best job at Harvard, though. I mean, in the sense that it involves uh, interacting with students, with graduate students, and with uh, and also with faculty, of course because we have members of the senior common room, many of whom came out at seven this morning to have breakfast with us and to process with students uh, to this place. So it's a, a kind of mini version of Harvard with faculty, grad students, and undergraduates. Well, and I really it's think a especially to be there. for the graduate students, but especially for the undergraduates, it takes this big university and chops it down it into bite-sized pieces that, yeah. that are much more accessible. Really, it, it, it helps create the Harvard experience in a wonderful way. So congratulations Thank to you. Thank you. Thank Master you. It's a, it's a wonderful way, way to participate and to do our work. I mean, you know, I teach four classes and also uh, run a research project, but it becomes a, a place of living and interacting that is that really becomes a home, not only for them, but for us. Look at these students. Now, these are probably from... Graduate School of Education. Graduate School of Education. These are students going off to uh, various careers in education, some of them doctorates, some of them masters. Many, many students go off and teach for several years and then come back and get a master's in education. People are using the programs to keep themselves cool in the hot sun. Uh, I think we're gonna see a lot of mortarboards come off and be become fans this morning as well. During the commencement, there's a band and a commencement choir that is formed and they're on the steps of University Hall across the way and they 
provide the music and the singing that will be part of the program as we move through the official program. And there are many very traditional elements of this uh, that have become almost as much a part of Harvard commencement as Fair Harvard. One of them is the singing at some point in the order of, uh, of the day of Psalm 78, give ear, O children, to thy law, um, that generations yet, yet unborn may teach it to their heirs. Now that so is there we see a member of the corporation talking oh, yeah. to Drew Faust. That's Larry Backhow. Larry, Backow. Larry was an economist at MIT for many years, and then he became president of Tufts University, and is now sitting at the Graduate School of Education at Harvard. Uh, inspiring man, Larry Backhow talking to Drew Faust. See Rick McCulloch from Carnegie Mellon. He's our new vice provost for research just below Larry. Backhouse. McCulloch is on the. He's the one with the red uh, uh, hood. He's now hidden, but he yeah. his face was just below Larry Backhouse. Yeah. There he is peeking there through. There he is. Okay. He's from Carnegie Mellon I University. I've he was met him the, yet. Uh, distinguished chemist and engineer, and he's uh, he's here as as vice provost for research, really doing amazing things. Only having just arrived at Harvard, but really a wonderful new member of our community. Now there we see Tom Menino talking to Oprah. Oprah and Tom with Skip Gates in the background. They're all seated and ready to go. We're still seeing uh, a few students design, coming in. The School of Design coming in. I hope we'll get an interview with one of the graduates in the School of Design who may have been stuck in line as uh, Noor Ibrahim was. He may get uh, here in a little bit. We'll see if we have time to uh, interview him as well. Very often, many of these graduates are seated almost before the uh, president's procession begins. So it's interesting to see them all filing in. They come in from the yard that is between Seaver Hall and, uh, and Quincy Street. There are some PhDs getting a wave in to us. So following this commencement this morning, in each of these schools there will be what were traditionally called spreads, luncheons at which uh, family will reunite with the graduates and in some form, either during or after or before the luncheon, the degrees will be awarded. But those will take place in some 200 tents that are set up all over the university. I mean, not only are there 50,000 chairs rented for today, but there are 200 tents set up as part of the temporary urbanism, you might say, of this great But that's what's uh, wonderful place. about yeah. this whole ceremony. Yeah. We have everybody gathered here today, here in Harvard Yard, and then of course, they uh, uh, move back and in smaller groups get personally cited for their accomplishments. And so you, as master of Lowell House, will, will call out each of the, of the seniors. And I have to practice their names, I will say, because uh, you know they come from all over the world. I and see a picture there with Steve Hyman is back to us, oh, yeah. former provost of the university. Jackie O'Neill, she's the one who has to she's the say marshal. everybody is seated, That's come right. on over. We see Liz Cohen sitting next to Evelyn Hammond. Liz Cohen, former chair of the history department, now the dean of Radcliffe College. Doing wonderful service over there at, at Radcliffe. 
uh, of the Radcliffe Institute for Advanced Study, excuse me. We, we, we speak this word, Harvard University, as if we know what it means. But really, this is the only occasion in which one can actually visualize what Harvard University means. On the whole, I mean, everybody from all of the schools gathered here, because ordinarily the schools are flung across, uh, across Boston and uh, across the river into Alston. That's here right. we get a glimpse of it. You know, so, so in what I do, I'm, I'm an environmental scientist, and uh, uh, I have the privilege of, of directing the Harvard University Center for the Environment, which really brings together all of the schools. And I, I like to say that you know Harvard is my playground. It's an incredible intellectual community that you know it's maybe only today, as you say, that we appreciate just the breadth of scholarship of education going on around this community and, and how spectacular our colleagues are. It's really wonderful to celebrate them in this way. Well, and what you do actually is so important for the future of the university. I mean, the Harvard Thinks Green event that took place in the fall and the sustainability initiatives that are part of the university across the board, these are going to be very important as, uh, as the years and decades roll on. I think most important is the research and the teaching that's done and the regular interactions across communities. To me, when, when scientists talk to people from the Kennedy School, talk to people at the business school, um, interact with their colleagues from the law school about some of the major challenges of the future. We see Harvard Kennedy School graduates with their globes, of, uh, their inflatable globes. Um, we see Fred Abernathy there talking to uh, Mike Smith. That's an important clue. Fred Abernathy is the chief caller who organizes the president's procession and is responsible, as delegated by Jackie O'Neill and others, for getting everybody from the old yard into this yard That's on right. this occasion. His voice bellowing out across Harvard yes. Yard as people are preparing. He both gets people to order, but also um, tantalizes people with interesting yes. facts and figures about Harvard's he does. history. He does well, a wonderful job. It is a wonderful job. He was preceded in this by one of the greats of Harvard classical education, uh, Mason Hammond, who did it for many years. And uh, it's, a, it's a very important role we don't know much about. I think we're about to begin. We're about to get called to order. Let's see if the people on the stage start to take their seats. All the seats are filled now. The bell will ring to signal that this is to begin. People are taking their seats.
Mr. Sheriff, pray give us order. As the High Sheriff of Middlesex County, I declare that the meeting will be in as Officer Stephen McNulty of the Boston Police Department leads the singing of the national anthem. Please remain standing until the chaplain of the day finishes the opening prayer. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight, all oh, the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rockets red glare, the bombs bursting. that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the the chaplain offers the prayer, let us all please join in a moment of silence and of gratitude. We honor the victims of the terrible events six weeks ago, and we stand in sympathy with their family and their friends. And we join, too, in remembering the victims of last week's devastating tornadoes in Oklahoma. And we offer our grateful appreciation to all those who showed us the very best of human nature amidst these tragedies.
Let us pray. Source and sustainer and cherisher of all, God, all compassionate, all merciful, all wise, we give thanks for these candidates and the devotion that brought them to this day. Their devotion to the cell beneath the microscope's lens, to the grammar of a new language, to the poem whose mysteries deepen upon each reading, to the mathematical problem that after long struggle flowers into a solution. We pray that their lives and ours will always be marked by the passionate attention to what is other than ourselves, the devotion that keeps us up late and wakes us up early. We ask your blessing upon the families and friends whose support has made this day possible. And we ask you to bless those whose names we do not know, but on whose behalf these candidates have labored. The student whose world will be opened by the new teacher who graduates today. The struggling parishioner who will be accompanied by the new minister the community that will be joined by the new organizer, the patient who will benefit from the work of the researcher. We pray, O oh God, that the hours invested in libraries and labs will bear fruit among our neighbors near and far. Inspire these graduates, O oh God, to hold fast to what is good to render no one evil for evil, to seek your justice, and to show your mercy. We pray for courage for them when the way is hard, and for humility when fortune favors them. May the joy of this day give them confidence and strengthen their desire to serve. In all of your beautiful names, we pray. Amen. Latin salutatory.
Hewi Gilliam Quator Ad Norum, the four-year all-nighter, candidate for the degree of Bachelor of Arts, Benaye Solomon Yurga. Prices Faust, Decani Aistimandi, Professores Sapientes, Hospites Honorati, Familiae Almae, et Condiscipuli Carissimi, Salvete Omnes! Est mi honori a voluptati vos ad loqui hoc manifestio, spe expletos, Laetitia superfluentes et, ut spero, optimi merita quiete refectos. Mihi autem non detali quiete dicendum est, sed egestate quietis, scilicet de illo ritus scolastico per vigilii, a diligentissimis nostrum aut semel aut numquam acto, ab aliis vero multo saepius. Paine here fui sevidetur, portase aliquantulum sero, Cum primum aputan clarissimam universitatem concedimus, stilis, apparatus scolastico, instrumentum computatorio, et potionibus necessariis praesto, omnes adausum quodam ingens parati. Et studio et nocte cito progrediente concitati, cursum vitae nostrae delineare incepimus. Alii consilium abinitio totum prescriptum habevant, alii pauca incerta vacilantibus literulis notaverunt, sed omnes laite prospiciebamus. Prospiciebamus, non de orsum ad chirographa academica, sed otiose ad murum quendam, vel acritera d'adventorem bibliotecae clamosum, vel sine nictu ad imagine moentem animalis blandi recentissimam. Quotiens, hora mediae noctis apupinquante, opus posposuimus, quotiens cum ovidio clamavimus lente curite noctis equi, Mox, in secundum annum rite perventi, vitas innocentiae deposuimus, et nos constituimus in domos, beatissimi in magnificam domum illam cabotiensem. Scintilas fei in nostris ucalis apertis obnubilari coipit, ut nos imergebamus in vitas negotiosas, aut forcitan, insomnis nostris ardentissimis, in piscinam dulcissimi cafae. Scribevamus tamen, ut verbum verbo adebatur, rillis acervis tigrisque non optatis consonantibus. Erant non nulla non insana, erant non nulla penitus nugalia, sedusque scribevamus, per pocellas et nivales et pluiales, per fluoris electrici abrutiones improvisas, per occupationes disputatas, per crapulas imites, per clades innumerabiles amicorum noe portus, atque per illam unicam cladem gloriosam novorum mexicanorum. Sescentas limas aditamentaque fecimus, consiliis finibusque non numquam a primum lineamento radicitus aberantibus. Post noctem esanam tandem prima luxa cessit, 
Nuntiata pipiantibus aribus et sicutolinquibus dam diebus Saturni, dilectissima manu aniatorum harwardiana. Ex hoc collegio illustri eximus delirantes exultantesque, ali audacter progredientes, ali indigitos erecti, ali confuse claudentes, errata typographica neglecta corrigentes. Sed omnes iter perfecimus, ad finem advenimus, pupillae defessae impetum subitum solis accommodent, ut oculis contractis hunc diem beatissimum ad spicimus. Carissimi mei condiscipuli, bene dormite ac bene valete. address, Listening to Time, candidate for the degree of Bachelor of Arts, Félix de Rosen. This feels a little bit different from speaking in section but I'll do my best. One day during spring break, I went for a walk in Mount Auburn Cemetery, wandering aimlessly between trees and graves. I stumbled upon a tombstone half buried in snow with an inscription that intrigued me. Charles A. Ditmus, Jr., 1910-2001, keeper of the clocks of Harvard College. Cool. <laughs> I wanted to find out more. It turns out that Charles was appointed by Harvard in the 1940s to clean and maintain the university's many antique clocks which were scattered around campus in museums, halls, and residences. Charles was known on campus for his eccentric behavior and the black tool bag he always carried with him. He once gave the university police a grandfather clock that belonged to another department, claiming that the gift earned him the right to park anywhere on campus. <laughs> I'm sure the parents appreciate that. Charles really loved clocks. All clocks have their personalities, he wrote. Their chronic ailments, their individualities. Some speak so fast that one can scarcely hear them, let alone understand what they say. Others are so ponderously slow, almost unwilling to give their information. Still others are most unsure of themselves. They hesitate and seem to apologize when they speak. One is reluctant to accept their words. 
Running his fingers along a clock's wood casing, Charles would whisper, how are you feeling today? It would be easy to dismiss Charles as having an overactive imagination. But if you really think about it, hearing voices in clocks is not that extraordinary. Upon seeing, upon seeing a beautiful work of art, we say it speaks to us. Inspiring stories touch us, and hardship shakes us. Our feelings happen to us. We do not will them in the same way that we do not walk into love. We fall in love, pulled by a force so powerful and so completely beyond our control. What strikes me about Charles's relationship with clocks is that he never worried about what seems so obvious to the rest of us. Clocks tell time. They symbolize the unceasing passage of time. Every second forward is a unique moment lost to eternity. Charles was unfazed by the passage of time because he was enraptured by the inner engineering of the clock and the elegance of its casing. That is why he hated battery clocks and electric clocks. They had no soul, no feeling. They were more precise, truer to time, but he could not talk to them. You see, Charles simply liked the feeling of a clock's tick, its texture, and the story it told. If you probe him further and ask him why he liked these, he might shrug and say, I just do. One could not rationalize it. It was simply intuitive, a feeling. Now, what does this have to do with commencement? Hmm. Um, well, commencement today refers to a beginning. But in fact, the word commencement comes from the Latin com, together, and initiare, to initiate. We are being initiated together, thrown forward into new worlds. It's easy to see this day as one would look at a clock. Clocks tell time. Commencement tells time. The passage from one age to the next. What is harder is to see a clock and our commencement as outside of time. It is hard because we seek to understand time, time, time. We seek to control it. But the passage of time, like much in life, lies beyond us. It lies beyond our reach. We do not control where we are born. We do not control when we are born. And death is not a choice. Fear, anxiety, and hope are only natural responses to the utter vastness and uncertainty of the universe. These feelings flow inside all of us, and they should guide us. On this day of commencement, we can listen to them. Amidst the trees, the red bricks, 
the infinite sky above us, we can listen to their breath, and they can lead us to unexpected places. And if we listen carefully enough, even the plainest things can become the source of infinite joy and wonder. A clap of thunder, the beating of your heart, even an old clock. Graduate English Address in Praise of Clip-On Ties, candidate for the degree of Master of Public Administration, John Murad. Good morning. My name is John Murad, and this is a clip-on tie. It's not the height of fashion, perhaps, but when you're a cop, as I am, there is a definite value in breakaway neckwear, <laughs> especially if someone's trying to choke you. On Monday, when I returned to the New York City Police Department after this academic sojourn, I'll probably be assigned to a precinct in the Bronx or Manhattan North. And I'll put this on and go forth to try to make my corner of the city a safer, fairer place. Now, I'd venture that few of us in the theater this morning are embarking on or returning to careers where clip-on ties, much less prospects of getting choked, are the norm. After all, we're Harvard graduates. We're joining a distinguished fellowship of eight US presidents, Nobel Prize winners, Fields Medal winners, Pulitzer winners, Oscar winners. It's a lot of winners. It's a community of accomplishment, unlike any other, and I'm proud to belong to it. Actually, I joined it first 18 years ago, when I sat out there as a member of the college class of 1995, Kirkland House, and pondered my place in this distinguished fellowship. Back then, greatness was the only option. And if you had told me then that I'd end up a cop in the Bronx, I'd have slowly backed away. Harvard graduates don't take jobs like that. They become iBankers and startup entrepreneurs. There are expectations. The first of Harvard's eight US presidents writing to the second, his son, drove this home. You come to life with advantages which will disgrace you if your success is mediocre, and if you do not rise to the head 
not only of your profession, but of your country, it will be owing to your own laziness, slovenliness, and obstinacy. I, I know, right? <laughs> Something tells me that John Adams would have been unenthused if John Quincy had come home with a clip-on tie. But somewhere inside, that sentiment is not alien to any of us. The distinguished fellowship with its scientists and statesmen sets a high bar. But let us remember this. It is incomplete without those among us whose paths will not be written in history books nor on Wikipedia pages. For many of you, perhaps most of you, the lives you've envisioned aren't necessarily the ones you'll lead. And that's not a bad thing. My hope today in this time before the diplomas and the family photos and the deserved revels is to remind us all, to assure us all, that there is as much stature in our being social workers and teachers, soldiers and preachers, nurses, and yes, even cops, as in being presidents and Poets Laureate. A lot of you know this already, but I did not when first I sat out there. And now? Well, I'm probably not the only municipal cop in the country with two Harvard degrees, but I'm surely in a tiny cohort, and that's not a boast, it's a lament. If there is something special about this place and the lessons that we have learned here, and I believe there is, then America, the world needs people like you in these roles. Because John Adams was dead wrong. Success doesn't mean rising to the top. It means changing the world. And here's the secret. And here's the secret. Everyone changes the world. Everything ripples. It's how we do it that counts. So how do we do it? Do you choose a job that serves others, as many of you already have done? Do you sign up to be a big sister? Do you check out citizen schools? Do you volunteer for hospice? Yes. The answer is yes. These things are the tab for your coming here when others could not. These things matter. They may even be better than making piles of money, although, as a civil servant, I wouldn't really know. <laughs> but I do know this. The crimson H you've earned today, it marks you like a Cantab Hester Prynne. Sometimes you'll shy from it, as when you disingenuously say that you went to school in Boston. And other times, you'll drop the H-bomb with a plum. Regardless, the crimson letter and the expectations that come with it are yours. And so is the way you choose to change the world. For the time being, I'll be doing it one radio run at a time while wearing a clip-on tie. You can wear whatever neckwear you like or none at all, but let us go forth and serve as we can.
What an inspiring message of service and humility. Yes, it was one of the best I've heard. He was fabulous. And you can tell his Kennedy School cohort is proud of him, waving their globes as they are. Reminding all of us there's so many ways to serve and to give back to our communities. It's not just in you know, all of the prizes and the accomplishments, but all the things we do every day. Look at that, a standing ovation from all of the deans and the, fa and the faculty. It's very rare to see a standing O for one of the commencement addresses. That's right. I think it really touched a chord. This little light of mine, I think for the first time at Harvard Commencement. So here comes the Provost Alan Garber. The addresses by the selected candidates for ordinary degrees being ended, the deans of the several departments will now present to the president and fellows and to the board of overseers in the favoring presence of the friends here assembled, the candidates on whom the various academic distinctions are with due ceremony 
to be conferred. The Dean of the Faculty of Arts and Sciences. Madam President, fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President, members of the Board of Overseers, in the name of the Faculty of Arts and Sciences and by its authority, I have the honor to report on four groups of candidates who will be presented to you today. First, the Dean of the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences will present candidates for the degree of Doctor of Philosophy and then the degrees of Master of Arts and of Science. Next, the Dean of the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences will present candidates for the degrees of Master of Science and of Engineering. Third, the Dean of Continuing Education and University Extension will present candidates for the degrees of Associate in Arts, Bachelor of Liberal Arts, and Master of Liberal Arts in Extension Studies. Finally, near the close of these exercises, the seniors in Harvard College who are candidates for the You guys were a little slow. <laughs> who are candidates for the first degree in arts or in science will stand proudly before you. The candidates in each of these groups have, by vote of the faculty, fulfilled the requirements for the degrees for which they are severally recommended. I salute all of these men and women trusting that they will forever wisely enjoy the freedoms that their education has given to them while bearing the responsibilities that their learning demands of them. Each of these groups will now be introduced to you by the deans responsible for the programs in which they have been enrolled. Candidates for the degree of Doctor of Philosophy will rise. The first to be honored. The Dean the of the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences. Zhao Li Meng. I must confess, this is more nerve-wracking for me than presenting my own thesis defense. <laughs> Because if I mispronounce anything, all your CISA defense will be wasted. <laughs> None of you will get your degree. So wish me good luck. And I hope I will do so well. In the end, I can get a hug from Opera as well. <laughs> Madam President, fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President, members of Board of Overseers, as Dean of the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences, I have the honor to present to you these scholars, all of whom have devoted themselves to the rigorous pursuit of advanced study, have attained high distinction, and have made original contribution to knowledge in their several fields of scholarship. By virtue of authority delegated to me, 
and recognizing your high academic achievements, I confer on you, women and men of learning, the degree of Doctor of Philosophy. And I welcome you to the ancient and universal company of scholars and entrust to you the free inquiry of future generations. Congratulations. 950 PhDs awarded today, and they'll receive their diplomas in, Sa in Sanders Theater. Candidates from the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences for the degrees of Master of Arts and Master of Science will rise. The Dean of the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences. Don't worry, I have practiced once, so you're going to get your degree. <laughs> Madam President, fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President, members of Board of Overseers. As Dean of the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences, I have the honor to present you these candidates, all of whom have completed a commemorable step of advanced study in their respective disciplines. By virtue of authority delegated to me, I confer on you the degree of Master of Arts or Master of Science, and certify that you have surmounted with distinction the first stage of graduate study. Congratulations. Candidates from the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences for the degrees of Master of Science and Master of Engineering will rise. The Dean of the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Dean Cherry Murray. I'd like a hug too. <laughs> Harvard College. <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> Mr. President and members of the Board of Overseers, as Dean of the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, I have the honor to present to you these women and men who have completed the first step of advanced study in engineering and applied sciences. By virtue of authority delegated to me, I confer on you the degree of Master of Science or Master of Engineering and certify that you have surmounted with distinction the first stage of graduate study. Congratulations. Candidates for the degrees of Associate in Arts Bachelor of Liberal Arts and Master of Liberal Arts in Extension Studies will rise.
with appreciation for his nearly two score years of service as dean, I recognize the dean of continuing education and university extension. Madam President, fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President, and members of the Board of Overseers. As the lame duck Dean of Continuing Education and University Extension, I have the honor to present to you these students, candidates for the degrees of Associate in Arts, Bachelor of Liberal Arts, and Master of Liberal Arts in Extension Studies. By virtue of authority delegated to me, I confer on you the degree of Associate in Arts, Bachelor of Liberal Arts, or Master of Liberal Arts in Extension Studies, and admit you to the Fellowship of Educated Men and Women. Congratulations. 650 degrees awarded this year in Extension Studies. This is remarkable. Many of these students have been here for decades doing one course at a time. This anthem, Psalm 78 from St. Martin's, is almost as much a part of Harvard commencement as Fair Harvard. the Dean of the Faculty of Medicine. Madam President, fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President, and members of the Board of Overseers, in the name of the Faculty of Medicine and by its authority, I have the honor today to report that two groups of students in the fields of medicine and dental medicine have fulfilled the requirements of the faculty for the degrees for which they are recommended. They will be introduced to you by the deans responsible for the programs 
in which they are enrolled. And I'm not going to end this tradition with me. So. <laughs> Candidates for the degrees of Doctor of Dental Medicine, Doctor of Medical Sciences, and Master of Medical Sciences will rise. The Dean of the School of Dental Medicine. This is Bruce Donoff. Bruce Donoff. Madam President, fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President, members of the Board of Overseers. As Dean of the School, of dental medicine, I have the honor to present to you these women and men, each of whom has devoted four years to the study of dental medicine, or at least three years to postdoctoral studies aimed at improving health and the quality of life. By virtue of authority delegated to me, I confer on you the degree of Doctor of Dental Medicine, Doctor of Medical Sciences, or Master of Medical Sciences, and declare that you are qualified for practice and research in a demanding branch of medicine. Congratulations. Candidates for the degrees of Doctor of Medicine and Master of Medical Science will rise. Wonderful, Alan Garber, the, the Dean himself. for Medical Alan Education. Madam President, fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President, and members of the Board of Overseers. As Dean for Medical Education, I have the honor to present to you these men and women each of whom has worked hard and well to prepare for a life of learning and service in medicine. By virtue of authority delegated to me, I confer on you the degree of Doctor of Medicine or Master of Medical Science and declare that as physicians you are ready to engage in an honorable and merciful calling. Congratulations. I would like to change the tradition and shake the hand of our mayor. <laughs> Candidates for the degrees of Master of Theological Studies, Master of Divinity, Master of Theology, and Doctor of Theology will rise. The Dean of the Faculty of Divinity. This is David Hampton, his first year. I declare by the divine power invested in me a hug-free timeout for Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> <laughs> This really cost me. <laughs> Madam President, fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President, and members of the Board of Overseers, as Dean of the Faculty of Divinity, I have the great honor to present to you 
these women and men, each of whom has devoted two, three, or more years to theological or religious studies in preparation for careers as leaders in scholarship and vocations of service. By virtue of authority delegated to me, I confer on you the degree of Master of Theological Studies, Master of Divinity, Master of Theology, or Doctor of Theology, and declare that you are well prepared to foster the health and vitality of communities of faith, to further scholarship in religious studies, and to help in shaping the shared values of the broader society. Congratulations. And not only in Christian ministry, now they have a Buddhist ministry studies as well. Candidates for the degrees of Doctor of Law, Master of Laws, Master of Laws, and Doctor of Juridical Science will rise. The law school students, very loud in this whole building. They're waving gavels. Uh, I don't know if that means they all the want dean to be judges. of the Faculty of Law. Martha Minow, the Dean of the Law School. Madam President, fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President, and the board of, of our overseers, this is too tall. <laughs> As dean of the Faculty of Law, I have the honor to present to you these women and men, <laughs> each of whom has completed a degree in legal studies toward the ends of advancing justice and promoting the rule of law. By virtue of authority delegated to me, I confer on you the degree of Doctor of Law, Master of Laws, or Doctor of Juridical Science, and declare that you are ready to aid in shaping the wise restraints that make us free. Congratulations. Restraints that make men free. 740 new lawyers leashed upon the world. Candidates for the degrees of Master in Business Administration Awards and Doctor Business of Business Administration will rise. The Dean of the Faculty of Business Administration. Also, as you can tell, much loved, Nitin Noria. Fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President, members of the Board of Overseers. As Dean of the Faculty of Business Administration, it is my honor and privilege to, prevent, to present to you. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you get nervous. <laughs> it is my honor to present to you these women and men who have mastered the study of business administration and prepared themselves to be leaders who will make a difference in the world. By virtue of authority delegated to me, 
I confer on you the degree of Master in Business Administration or Doctor of Business Administration and testify that you are ready to lead people and organizations in enterprises that will make a difference in the world. Congratulations. Sometimes the business graduates are waving dollar bills. This year they're waving just the insignia of the business school. Candidates for the several degrees in architecture, landscape architecture, urban planning, and design will rise. This is the Graduate School of Design. The Dean of the Faculty of Design. <laughs> Madam President, Fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President, and members of the Board of Overseers, as Dean of the Faculty of Design, I have the honor to present to you these men and women, each of whom has qualified for a master's degree in architecture, landscape architecture, urban design, urban planning, or design studies, or for the degree of Doctor of Design. By virtue of authority delegated to me, I confer on each of you the degree for which you have qualified and declare your competence to lead in shaping the spaces in which we live. Congratulations. Candidates for the degrees of Master of Education Doctor of Education and Doctor of Education Leadership will rise. A huge number, 744 graduates this year of the Graduate School of Education. All waving notebooks. With gratitude, with gratitude for her leadership at Harvard and congratulations on her appointment as the next president of Smith College. I recognize the Dean of the Faculty of Education. Kathleen McCartney. Madam President, fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President, and members of the Board of Overseers. As Dean of the Faculty of Education, I have the honor to present to you these women and men who will be leaders in education practice, policy, and research. By virtue of authority delegated to me, I confer on each of you the master's or doctor's degree in education or the doctor's degree in education leadership and declare that you are well prepared to lead in teaching and learning for individuals and society. Congratulations. Candidates for the several degrees in public health will rise.
the Dean of the Faculty of Public Health. Dean Julio Frank, former Health Minister of Mexico. Madam President, fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President and members of the Board of Overseers. As Dean of the Faculty of Public Health, I have the honor to present to you these women and men, each of whom has qualified for a master's degree or a doctor's degree to provide leadership, advance knowledge, and improve the public's health. By virtue of authority delegated to me, I confer on you the degrees in public health for which your studies have qualified you and declare that you are well prepared to generate and utilize knowledge to improve health throughout the world. Congratulations. Candidates for the degrees of Master in Public Administration, Master, of Public, Master in Public Administration in International Development, and Master, and Master in Public Policy will rise. These are all the graduates of the Harvard Kennedy School, 564 of them. The Dean of the Faculty of Government. David Elwood is the Dean of the Harvard Kennedy School. Distinguished scholar education. Madam President and fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President and members of the Board of Overseers, as Dean of the School of Government and as a previous guest on the Oprah Winfrey Show, <laughs> It is my very great honor to present to you these women and men, each of whom has qualified for exceptional leadership in public service. By virtue of authority delegated to me, I confer on you the degree for which your studies have qualified you and testify that you are well prepared to offer leadership in the quest for enlightened public policy and effective public service throughout the world. Congratulations. They're waving globes, giving a sense of the range in which they will work in their lives, public health and public policy and public administration. It really is a wonderfully international institution in Harvard. And here come the undergraduates. Ralph Vaughn Williams, oh, clap your hands. Again, a traditional anthem.
candidates for the degree of Bachelor of Arts or of Science will rise. There they are, the undergraduates, the graduate and seniors, 1651. We're seated by house, but in the front of the group with the red piping on their, on their gowns are the summa cum laude's and the marshals. Their chosen representatives, together with candidates for those degrees, summa cum laude, will draw near. Summa cum laude represents the very highest... With warm appreciation. Only 78 were... With warm appreciation for her devoted leadership and service as dean, I recognize the dean of Harvard College. Evelyn Hannon, her final year as dean of the college. Distinguished historian of science. Madam President, fellows of Harvard College, Mr. President, and members of the Board of Overseers, as Dean of Harvard College, I have the honor to present to you these women and men, each of whom has fulfilled the faculty's requirements for the first degree in arts or in science. Each candidate stands ready to advance knowledge, to promote understanding, and to serve society. By virtue of authority delegated to me, I confer on you the first degree in arts or in science, and I admit you to the fellowship of educated women and men. Congratulations. Lower House waving their blue flags. Oh, they really stand out there. The President and some of the honorary degree recipients may step to the front and congratulate the swimmers one by one. This also includes the marshals who are elected by the senior class to lead them, not only in commencement, but to lead them into the next five years. Alan Garver congratulating his own son, Daniel Garver, who's graduating soon. But these pronouncements, that they stand ready to advance knowledge, promote understanding, and serve society, are very traditional as well as the President's statement of admitting them to, quote, the fellowship of educated men and women. Um, there they are, all taking pictures of, well, Evelyn Hammond and Oprah. Uh, they seem to be drawing near to Oprah at the moment. Maybe the photo ops. Thank you very much. I'll subside in a minute. We'll get on with the ceremony. There have been a burst of impromptu and unscripted remarks today, and actions. Very interesting uh, informality that has come across everyone on this beautiful sunny day. A lot of very happy people. Yes. It's called the Happy Observance of Commencement. That's its official title, the Happy Observance of Commencement, and indeed it is. 
Our first honored guest keeps a jar on his desk. Inside the jar is a worm. The worm's name is Henrietta. She is a guinea worm. Her habitat is formaldehyde. Henrietta embodies the mission to which our guest has devoted himself for decades, eradicating the terrible parasitic disease known as guinea worm, which has plagued people in Africa and Asia for centuries. The number of people tormented by guinea worm disease has dropped precipitously since our guest began waging his battle in 1986. Then, there were some three and a half million cases worldwide. Now, reportedly, there are fewer than 600. The end is in sight. The dreaded fiery serpent of the Old Testament has not been his only target. He has played a central part in the international campaigns to rid the world of river blindness and to control measles. And early in his career, he was a key figure in the hugely ambitious and successful global fight to eradicate smallpox, one of the great achievements of modern public health. He is a graduate and former faculty member of our own School of Public Health. He was deputy director and acting director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and in recent years, he has led the worldwide health programs of the Carter Center. President Carter has called him, and I quote, an individual with passion and heart, committed to alleviating the suffering of millions who go unnoticed by the media. There have been few heroes in my life, President Carter has said. He is one of them. We honor a hero of global health, Donald Hopkins. Banquishing fiery serpents with missionary zeal, banishing plagues from countless houses, he nimbly wields the rod of Asclepius with a scientist's skill and a humanitarian's care. Donald Roswell Hopkins, Doctor of Science. As a child, our next guest liked to walk in the woods with her grandfather. She watched the birds. She learned about the wildflowers. 
She earned pocket change foraging for crawfish and selling them as bait. Her childhood love of nature blossomed into a professional passion for science. Today, she is one of the world's foremost investigators at the crossroads of chemistry and biology. Her work has shown how the building blocks of RNA are transformed into the building blocks of DNA, a process essential to DNA replication and repair. She has shed essential light on the enzymes known as ribonucleotide reductases and the molecules known as free radicals. Radicals, I might add, wholly unrelated to her student days in the late 60s in Berkeley. <laughs> her investigations have earned her the National Medal of Science for demonstrating the power of chemistry to solve biological problems. They have led to new therapies for pancreatic and other cancers. And they have advanced efforts to make environmentally friendly plastics. Throughout, she has been driven by a sheer fascination with the mysteries of nature. Enzymes do a lot of pretty cool things, she has said, and I love discovering exactly how they do it. It's a pleasure to welcome our pretty cool neighbor from down Mass Ave, who has scaled the heights of science while toiling at a humble technical institute. <laughs> Perhaps best known for its proximity to Toscanini's ice cream. We honor from MIT, Joanne Stubby. Joanne Stubby, professor at MIT, distinguished chemist. Boundlessly curious, relentlessly rigorous, enwrapped by the helical strands that encode our existence, a sage of science who elucidates enzymes crucial to the chemistry of life, Joanne Stubby, Doctor of Science. Our next guest shows us why economics is a deeply social science. His work springs from a drive to understand, and I quote, how people's lives come to be what they are, and how economics can help improve the prospects of people who are hugely constrained in what they can be and do. Asked to, pro to produce a brief general introduction to economics, he framed it as a story about two young girls. One, Becky, comes from a comfortable family in the Midwestern United States. The other, Desta, from an impoverished family living in a mud hut in Ethiopia. He explains economics not just through his eyes, but through theirs. He does so with analytic rigor, but also with an empathetic determination to consider how economics can help address deprivation and hunger, how it can expand life's opportunities for people born without silver spoons 
maybe without spoons at all. He has made important contributions across a remarkable range of subfields, economic theory, knowledge and innovation, game theory, political economy, poverty and nutrition, and environmental economics, to name just some. He has written compellingly about human population growth and the risks it poses to exhausting the world's resources. He has confronted the question of how to value a nation's wealth, urging that we take proper account of natural resources in measuring an economy's worth. In this sense, he has envisioned economics not only as a social science, but as a natural science, one obliged to embrace nature as a core concern. We honor, from the University of Cambridge, Sir Partha Dasgupta. Sir Partha Dasgupta really is An inexhaustibly resourceful economist, dauntless in confronting the largest of questions, he trains his keen eye on the plight of the poorest and insists we value nature when we gauge the wealth of nations. Partha Sarati Dasgupta, Doctor of Laws. Shakespeare recognized music as the food of love. Our next guest recognized music as the food of opportunity. He is the renowned creator of El Sistema, an ingenious program he conceived in his native Venezuela nearly 40 years ago. It has given disadvantaged children, by now hundreds of thousands of children, the chance to make music. And through music, it has given them the chance for a better life. El Sistema invites young children, especially in economically disadvantaged communities, to join an orchestra. The children often rehearse five days a week, three or four hours a day. For Venezuela, El Sistema has become not just an ambitious form of extracurricular enrichment. It has become a full-fledged nationwide social program, a pathway for children to come together, to work hard, to learn, to collaborate, to aspire, to participate in something that gives them a sense of pride and belonging, and that inspires the communities they live in. If not for El Sistema, said a typical participant who took up the French horn, I'd either be dead or still living on the streets. Communities around the world have taken to pursuing versions of El Sistema in England and India, in Australia and Korea, across Latin America and here in the United States. We sometimes remark on the power of the arts to transform lives. Few, few people in the world personify that ideal as vividly as our honored guest.
The most holy of human rights, he likes to say, is the right to art. We applaud Maestro Jose Antonio Abreu. Magnanimous maestro of an uplifting movement, orchestrating harmonies that far transcend the stage in the sublime power of music, he finds opportunity's major key. Jose Antonio Abreu, Doctor of Music. Struck by the range of disciplines our next guest has crossed, physics, chemistry, biology, mathematics, engineering, an interviewer asked him, so what kind of an ologist are you? <laughs> I'd say, he replied, I am a scientist with a short attention span. <laughs> no one can doubt the span of his influence on modern science. He grew up in Australia, fascinated by puzzles. He studied at the University of Sydney, then was a lecturer in applied math here at Harvard, before serving at Sydney, then Princeton. For the past 25 years, his home has been England, where he has served as a professor at Oxford, as president of the Royal Society, and as chief scientific advisor to the British government and head of its Office of Science and Technology. His research has, in one colleague's words, revolutionized the mathematical approach to ecology and infectious diseases. Awarding him the Crawford Prize, sometimes called Biology's Nobel, the Royal Swedish Academy cited him as the person who had exerted the greatest influence on theoretical and empirical ecological research over the previous quarter century. He earned the International Balzan Prize for his seminal contributions to the mathematical analysis of biodiversity. He earned the prestigious Blue Planet Prize for devising models vital to both ecological preservation and disease control. <clears throat> Knighted by the Queen, named a life peer in the House of Lords, he is not only an eminent scientist, but a leading statesman of science, a champion of the scientific enterprise and its animating values of free inquiry and fidelity to reason. We honor Lord May of Oxford, Robert May. Robert May, everybody knows him as Bob May. A prodigious polymath and peerless peer whose mind conceives models that sustain life and whose voice resounds in support 
of enlightened inquiry. Robert McCready May, Doctor of Science. She has interpreted the ancient and long-lost documents known as the Nag Hammadi scriptures. She has revisited the Garden of Eden for enduring lessons about sex and politics. She has probed the origin of Satan and the practice of demonizing one's opponents. She has reinterpreted gospels, reassessed the book of Revelation, and explored the nature of heresy and belief. She has even jousted about Judas with Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Throughout it all, our next guest has emerged as one of the Academy's foremost scholars of religion, especially the history of early Christianity. Her books and articles have infused long-standing religious debates with fresh light and arresting insight. With erudition, elan, and sometimes audacity, she has both reshaped academic discourse about religion and brought provocative questions about religious tradition to a wide public audience. She holds her PhD from our own Graduate School of Arts and Sciences. She is past chair of the religion department at Barnard. She earned Rockefeller, Guggenheim, and MacArthur fellowships all within three years. She has won the National Book Award, as well as her home institution's Distinguished Teaching Prize. She is now the Harrington Spear Payne Foundation Professor of Religion at what is arguably America's finest university within a 20-mile radius of Exit 9 on the New Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> we welcome back to Harvard, and we honor, Elaine Pagels. Bold expositor of the Gnostic Gospels, reading ancient scriptures anew, a scholar transcending tradition's constraints to bring forth books of revelation. Elaine Heisey Pagels, Doctor of Laws. <laughs> Our next guest has been known to spur his colleagues to action by quoting a line from Waiting for Godot, let us do something while we have the chance. They are words that capture how he has seized opportunities in his own life and sought out chances to improve the lives of others. A lifelong North Carolinian, he was the first in his family given the chance to go to college. He attended UNC Charlotte and earned enough credits to graduate after three years. He applied to Harvard Business School. The envelope that came back in the mail, alas, was thin. Undaunted, he spent his senior year studying poetry, music, and art. 
he reapplied to HBS. Today, he is one of the school's most distinguished and devoted graduates. Given the chance to run his family's construction business, he expanded it into a vital force in Charlotte's development. Given the chance to chair the board of the Bank of North Carolina, he transformed its fortunes. Given the chance to serve on the Charlotte Mecklenburg Board of Education, he helped guide the historic integration of the county's public schools. Given the chance to lead the North Carolina State Board of Education, he used his formidable powers of persuasion to advocate for better teacher pay. As president of the University of North Carolina system for 11 years, he made affordability a paramount priority, assuring that thousands of young people would enjoy the chance he was given years before. An extraordinary philanthropist, he has supported education, human services, arts, and culture with a special eye to creating opportunity for students at both UNC and HBS, the Campus Center at Harvard Business School, the heart of student life, bears his family name. Past president of Harvard's Board of Overseers, past chair of the HBS Visiting Committee, and one of Harvard's most dedicated alumni, he is known for his humility, integrity, self-effacing humor, and his wonderful way of connecting with everyone he meets. We honor and we thank Dick Spangler. Exponent of education, executive extraordinaire, a transformative benefactor, both gracious and wise, who always does something for others while he has the chance. Clemmy Dixon Spangler, Jr., Doctor of Laws. Our next guest has been the boss of Boston for nearly as long as the lives of the seniors who graduate today. <laughs> he is the longest serving mayor in the history of one of our nation's oldest and greatest cities. And he is known near and far as one of the most effective, dedicated, and deservedly popular public servants to have held office in recent times. He leads with a passion for the people he serves. For 20 years, and a decade before that as city councilor, he has invested the whole of his being in the well-being of Boston's neighborhoods. He has worked to promote the city's prosperity to strengthen its schools, 
to improve safety, to assure access to health care, to enhance the quality of life. He treats his constituents like family. He attends countless events, attends to countless concerns, spends countless hours on issues large and small, all to serve the city he loves. Not least of all, he deeply appreciates the value of this region's many colleges and universities and has been a true friend of higher education and research. He has led through times of achievement and celebration, and also through times of grief. Six weeks ago, terror and tragedy struck Boston. And at the interfaith service that followed, he spoke with simple, heartfelt eloquence about the city that is his pride and his home. I'm telling you, he said, nothing can defeat the heart of this city. Nothing. Nothing will take us down because we take care of one another. Even with the smell of smoke in the air and blood on the streets, tears in our eyes, we triumphed over that hateful act on Monday afternoon. It's a glorious thing, the love and the strength that covers our city. It will push us forward. It will push thousands and thousands and thousands of people across the finish line next year. Because this is Boston, a city with the courage, compassion, and strength that knows no bounds. We salute a public servant whose own courage, compassion, and strength know no bounds, the mayor of Boston, the Honorable Thomas M. Menino. Now, everyone on their seat. Mayor Menino applauding the audience. consummate mayor of the people, for the people, an urban mechanic turned urban legend whose love of his city and passion for its betterment have made and kept Boston strong. Thomas M. Menino, Doctor of Laws. Among many, many other things, our final guest is a movie producer. And if someone had come to her as a producer to pitch a script based on her own life story, she might understandably have dismissed it as improbable beyond belief. She spent her early childhood on a small pig farm in rural Mississippi, reared by her grandmother. 
Her preteen and early teenage years in Milwaukee brought poverty, abuse, and personal tragedy. But she did far more than persevere. By her late teens, she had been crowned Miss Black Tennessee and earned a scholarship to Tennessee State. By 22, she was co-hosting a television talk show in Baltimore. She recalls that its premiere featured her interview with the Carvel ice cream man. <laughs> in 1984, she moved to Chicago and began hosting the daytime show that soon took her name. It went into national syndication and in time became the most watched and most Emmy awarded program of its kind in American television history. Today, she is one of the most admired and influential people in the world. Her celebrated talk show ran for 25 years and reached a vast international audience. She has launched a magazine, a radio channel, and a cable network. She has produced movies, TV programs, and a Broadway show. She has led a worldwide book club and championed the importance and the pleasure of reading. She has established herself as one of the savviest and most successful entrepreneurs of our time. She is also a renowned philanthropist whose public and private charities have benefited women, children, and families around the world. She has been an especially devoted supporter of education, <laughs> generously funding scholarships and schools, and founding a leadership academy for girls in South Africa. No one has done more to encourage Americans to read, says one admirer, and no one has better exemplified the responsible use of commercial success and philanthropic resources. When she started out in Chicago, her audience was so thin that people had to be pulled in off the street and bribed with coffee and donuts in order to, pull, to fill the seats. Looking out from this stage, I think we can fairly conclude that this is yet another obstacle she has managed to overcome. <laughs> More than 40 years since she was crowned Miss Fire Prevention of Nashville, Tennessee, in the land of the Grand Ole Opry, we proudly honor Oprah Winfrey. Opening books, opening doors, opening minds to life's possibilities, a bountiful altruist and woman of valor whose audiences owe her a spirited standing O, Oprah Winfrey, Doctor of Laws.
In the name of this Society of Scholars, I declare that these persons are entitled to the rights and privileges pertaining to their several degrees, and that their names are to be forever borne on its role of honorary members. Degree candidates and their guests and all alumni are warmly invited to attend the afternoon session of commencement day exercises under the direction of the Harvard Alumni Association. The alumni parade will begin at 1.45 p.m. and the exercises will begin at 2.30 p.m. The commencement speakers will be Oprah Winfrey, and the president of Harvard University. The commencement choir director will lead us in the singing of the commencement hymn. Following the hymn, the Pusey minister will pronounce the benediction. The commencement exercises then being ended, the sheriff of Middlesex County will declare the meeting adjourned. The audience is requested to remain seated until the president and fellows and their guests have withdrawn from the platform. Go in peace, speak truth, be thankful for every day, be quick to compliment liberally, do not be afraid to love out loud, be slow to speak a word of judgment, and if you do, do it discreetly.
Be led by your faith, never by your fears. Be kind. Live simply. Live of service. Give yourself to a cause bigger than yourself. Wear a clip-on tie. <laughs> For if you do these things, you will do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. Amen. Amen. As the High Sheriff of Middlesex County, I declare that the meeting will be adjourned! May I? To ring, not only here in the Memorial Church in Harvard Yard, the Tercentenary Theater, but across Cambridge, including the 17 great Russian bells of Lowell House, uh, the bells of the business school, of churches and uh, public buildings all over Cambridge. We see now the deans and the fellows, members of the corporation, members of the board of overseers filing off the stage. The 362nd observance of Harvard commencement. And with so many reminders today from our speakers, our student speakers, from the New York City cop who told everyone to go forth and to serve because the Crimson Age marks you, marks you to be of service wherever you do it, in whatever form you do it. It's really a, a wonderful reminder service of all kinds, whether it's public service, whether it's service in business, in government, in music, in the arts. And we saw examples of all of that today. And of course, looking out at all of these faces of wonderful undergraduates and graduates, heading off to the world with all sorts of potential, exciting possibilities in their future. You know, we think of, of President Faust's words, running towards the challenges that meet them, running towards the, the, all of life's great challenges and embracing them. And as our Latin orator said, well, some people are confidently striding, maybe running toward the challenges. Others are kind of tiptoeing and not sure what uh, the next steps will be. But whatever they'll be, they will be marked by this occasion and by the great transition in their lives that this brings about. That's right, and we see the parents standing in the background, supporting all of these graduates for so long. 
This is the most economically diverse class of Harvard college graduates there has ever been, uh, in part because of the financial aid programs that have been put in place. It also is the most international of college graduating classes. It's and a very it's inspiring sight, seeing all of these uh, students. It is. And such enthusiasm, such passion for the world. And to see the Latino, Latina uh, vestments that they put on, the Native American students, the uh, African American students, uh, the hijab of the Muslim students, some of the Muslim women. You know, for us on the faculty, it's a reminder that although we're very proud of our own professional accomplishments, I think by far the greatest impact we will have on the world is actually through educating these young minds, setting them free on the world to really make the world a better place. And they go forth. Here we see them in the words of that old Harvard, fair Harvard hymn from the age that is past to the age that is waiting before. And the age is waiting for these students, stretching out before them. Diana, I, it was a wonderful commencement once again. Thank you for doing it with me. And uh, thank you, Dan. And I look this forward to more been, commencements in the future. This has been a wonderful morning. And I hope all of you at home have enjoyed watching and participating as you have in this Harvard commencement. Thank you and have a wonderful commencement spread and return for the afternoon. Thank you.